Today on Awakened Radio, we are studying Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and we're going to learn what it means to grow in our walk with Christ. Paul is going to give us incredible, vivid pictures to show what Christian progress ought to look like in our life. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awakened Radio. We're going to unpack Colossians chapter 2 this morning. Now, we're in a series for the month of January called Expanding Your Capacity. Now, why are we talking about expanding our capacity? It's because this. We believe that God wants to do something much greater this year than He has in any other year of our ministry. I personally think God wants to do something greater in your life this year than He has in any other year of your life because I believe that God is always working. I don't think that God does something and then goes away for a while. He is a present help in the day of our trouble. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always at work in our lives. And I think that the work that God wants to do this year is extraordinary. And in order to be prepared for that work, we have to expand our capacity. So here's how we're looking at it as a church. The thing we're going to say over and over, and what we are going to model, what we are going to practice, what we're going to preach, what we are going to emphasize over and over is this. This year we are growing people not our church. Do you hear me? Growing people, not our church. Well, if we're going to grow as God's people, we're asking ourselves, what should it look like? If we're going to expand our capacity to grow as God would have us grow, as people, as families, as God's children, what should that look like? And we think it's in four great areas. Number one, in the area of loving people. And that's what we talked about last week, the Sermon of the Good Samaritan. We want to grow in our ability to love people. That means loving people who don't think like us, loving people who do not look like us, loving people who do not act like us, loving people the way that Christ would have us love them. So we talked about the Good Samaritan last week and increasing our ability, expanding our capacity to love others. Today, I want to talk about, in part two, growing our ability to be discipled, expanding our ability for discipleship. Let me be very clear, and this is something that I do not ever want you to forget for those of you who are part of this church. Our interest is not in filling every single chair. Our interest is not in building a large church. Our interest is in discipling people. That's why small groups matter to us. See, I stand up here most weekends of the year, with the exception of of a few, but most weekends I stand up here and I open God's Word as we're going to open to Colossians 2. I do my very best to expound, to explain, to interpret, to help you apply God's Word to your life, but there is no way that I can do that individually with every single one of you. 
There is no way that I can sit with you and your family and truly know you and truly bear your burdens. There's no way. That's why small groups exist. Because that's where you build community. I mean, you think about how many hours are within a week. How many hours are there in a week? So like 160, huh? 168. That's, that's impressive. That's good. Whoever that is. <laughs> 168 hours in the week. And if you think that you're going to get everything that you need from the Lord and all of the growth and all the nutrients and all of the strength, and you're going to get everything you need from God in a 45, 50-minute sermon one time a week, out of 168 hours, you're going to get everything in one hour? That would be like you trying to eat one meal a week physically. You would be incredibly weak, wouldn't you? So if we're going to grow and be the people that God wants us to be, you know, there's a lot of talk today and it's good, it's healthy within the church. Are we discipling people? People need to be discipled. But today I want to back up and I want to ask this question. Are we a disciple? Have we properly been discipled? Because until we are properly discipled, how are we going to disciple others? And so what our goal this year, one of our goals, is to expand our capacity to grow, to make disciples. Expand our ability to grow people in Christ. Now, thankfully, the Bible doesn't leave us to ourselves. If I were to ask you individually today... Could you explain to me what it means to grow in Christ? Oh, there would be all kinds of different answers, wouldn't there? But you know what? The Bible is going to get us on one page today. Paul masterfully wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, what it means to grow in Christ. He wrote what it means to progress in spiritual maturity. What it means to go further in your spiritual journey. And what I hope is that your desire today is to be closer to the Lord this year than you've ever been in your life. And I hope your desire is to be uh, more involved in the work of the Lord and more feeling like you belong more in God's house than you've ever felt in your life. Okay? So let's begin. Colossians chapter 2. As you know, I'm unable to see it, so I'll try to go from memory. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. Paul says, Therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. What a wonderful verse. Verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, anytime that you see the word therefore, you should always pause. You should always stop and say, what just happened? Because the word therefore or the word wherefore, those are transition words. And so what that means is that in the verse or the three or the five verses before that, in the section before, something huge was just said. 
And so what you'll want to do is go back and, and read the, the, the previous verses to say what, what's transitioning here. So what Paul normally does, particularly Paul in the New Testament, he's going to lay out a brilliant argument. He's going to say something so huge, and then he's going to kind of give the conclusion. He's going to say, based on everything I just said, therefore observe this, therefore do this, therefore apply this. Does that make sense? And so when you read the previous verses, you see Paul's incredible heart for the people of Coloss, that great city called Coloss. He's writing this book, the Colossians, to the Colossian people. And you can see his heart because he says, the toil, the struggle that I have for you, you can just see the pastoral heart of the great apostle. And I want you to know today that as we go through this talk and as we lay out these, this verse and we take phrase for phrase, I want you to know that my heart for you today, beyond anything, is that you be complete in Christ. More than I want to see you be successful in life, more than I want to see you reach that retirement or get that, that, that house that you're working toward or, or take those vacations that you dream of or whatever it is that you give your energy or, or, or you're building your income toward, more than any of those comforts or those luxuries or those good things, even important things, more than any of that, what I want to see for you is for you to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and in Christ Himself. Because let's say you work your entire life. Let's say you reach that retirement. Let's say that you obtain that house or that car, that asset or those vacations or whatever you're aiming for in life, whatever you want to see happen for you, whatever it is. Be assured, the storms of life will come. They will come. And Jesus never said, that when the storms of life come, depending on your bank account or depending on your 401k or depending upon your investments or depending upon your securities or depending upon your employment or depending upon this or that. No, he said depending upon what foundation you've built your life on, that's what's going to determine whether your house is going to stand. So my concern, I... I, 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 I I feel a little bit of what the great apostle Paul felt. This toil, this struggle is, is for you that we would learn together how to grow in Christ. So let's begin. Therefore, just as you have received Christ the Lord. Now, I love that word received because this is a once and for all thing. You know, I, I meet many Christians who it's like it's start and stop, start and stop. I mean, they are they're in it for a while and then they fall away and then they're in it for a while and then they fall away. No, he, th that should not be the pattern of the Christian life. The pattern of the Christian life is we understand that we were saved in eternity past. I mean, the Bible teaches that you were in the heart of God before the foundations of the world were ever laid that's salvation in eternity past. But then there's salvation in the present. And what's salvation in the present? That's when you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. That's when you become a new creation in Christ. The old passes away and everything becomes brand new. And then there'll one day be a salvation of the future. And what's that? That's glorification. When sin will fall off of us, praise God. So salvation spans eternity past Eternity present 
and eternity future. But this verse is saying eternity present when you received Christ. Can you go back to when you received Christ? Can you go back to a time that you repented of your sins? You got serious with following the Lord. For some of you, that's when you were a child. For some of you, that was in your teenage years. For some, it came when you were in your 20s. For some, it was when you were in your 30s or your 40s, or even your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. The Bible doesn't say at what stage of life. It just says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So when you received Jesus, that's salvation, that's Eternity present. But here's what I want you to write down today. For many Christians, salvation is the the ending. Not so for the growing Christian. We don't see salvation as the ending. So many people go, oh, sure, yeah, I've done that. Well, what have you done since? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, I prayed. I received Jesus. I've done. Well, what's happened since? Salvation is not the ending. It is only the beginning. Amen? And it should be the most thrilling, the most exciting journey of our entire lives. And some of you are missing the excitement of walking with Jesus. Because you're way out here in no man's land, walking all kinds of weird paths. And if you would learn what it is to... If you've received Jesus, so walk in Him. If you really understood what it meant to walk with God, oh, your life would be an adventure and a half. And let me tell you, sometimes the shepherd leads us, and when we walk with the shepherd, sometimes he takes us through valleys, doesn't he? But it's an exciting adventure to walk with Jesus. He says, walk. Walk is one of the favorite words of Paul. As a matter of fact, he's going to use it three times in the book of Colossians. But in the book of Ephesians, which is almost like the sister book to the book of Colossians, when he writes to the people of Ephesus, he uses the word walk seven times. So between the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, he's going to use this analogy, this word picture. He's going to use it ten times. He's going to talk about how we are to walk in love. We are to walk in unity. We are to walk in humility. We are to walk in Christ. What this means is this is the pattern of your life. This is what marks your life. This is your daily experience with God. Are you walking with God? Are you doing life on your own terms? Are you out here in paths that God would never have you on? Are you out here in areas that that God would never have you there? Some of you, perhaps, you're at jobs that you have no business being at that job. It's not really where God wants you. Some of you are in circumstances, you're in situations. It's not God's will for you to be there because you've wandered. You've wandered onto other paths. No, 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 no. You get back and you say, God, I'm going to walk the path that you give me. Some of you, some of you, whether in the room or watching online, Some of you have wandered away because God set you on a hard path and it was too hard and you walked away. If you have received Christ, so walk in Him. Don't do life without the Lord. 
don't put God in a compartment of Sunday morning where God has 45 minutes, God has an hour and a half, God has 90 minutes of your week, and then the rest of the week, you're on your own agenda. You're on your own ambition. You're doing what you want to do in life. No. Walk in Him. Now, Paul, now follow the argument. Paul is going to say, if you have received Christ, since you have, he's assuming that we're believers, since you have received Christ once and for all, that great transition in life, where old things passed away, everything became new. Since you have received Christ, walk in Him. And here's what it looks like. He's going to give us four incredible, vivid images of what it looks like to walk in Christ, what it looks like to follow Christ, what it looks like for spiritual progression. Are you ready? Number one, He shows us a tree that's been planted. Oh, I love this. Notice the first thing He says in verse 7. Rooted. I love that word rooted. You know, if I think of what I want my life over the coming years and decades, if I think of a word picture for my life that I want to be as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, what I think the imagery that I have in my head is the word rooted. I want to be rooted in Jesus. Now notice, I don't want to be rooted in other things. I don't want to be rooted in the fact of my job or my occupation. I don't want to be rooted in, in, in even my family. I don't want to be rooted in, I want to be rooted in Jesus. Because things change in this world. Some of you know the heartache of losing a loved one. Some of you know the heartache of losing a spouse. Some of you, sadly, know the heartache of losing a child. But listen, you and I are to be rooted in Jesus because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, even though we love our families and even though we care for our families, you know what happens when we lose a family member and it feels like, and you know, we, we question, how are we going to go on in life? Let me tell you how you go in. Go on. You live, move, and have your being in Jesus Christ. And that's how you go forward. Do you understand what I'm saying today? I'm talking about being rooted in Christ in such a way that it changes your entire life. I, I don't want to be rooted in my identity of being a pastor. This church could fire me tomorrow and I would still love and I would still serve Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the stability of my life, and isn't that what roots give us? Stability? The strength of my life, the stability of my life is not in my marriage the stability of my life is not in my job. It's not in my occupation. It's not in my income level. The stability of my life is Jesus Christ. Because if any of those things change, I still have Jesus. And that's the point of what Paul's saying. When the storms of life come, when the winds blow and the rains come, and when catastrophe comes, you're not going to bend and you're not going to break. Why? Because your roots are in the rich soil of Jesus. 
And when things change in our lives, as I am quickly learning, when things change in our lives, Jesus doesn't change. And when we're rooted, the winds of life don't carry us away. Are you rooted today in the Word of God? Are you rooted in Jesus Christ? See, think about, I want you to think with me. If you're thinking with me, say amen. amen. Oh, that's good. Oh, we're thinking today. What do roots give us? They provide us stability. They provide us strength. But listen, they provide us nutrients. Those rich, rich nutrients that causes me to grow. This is why Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branch. If I'm a branch laying out on the ground, guess what? I'm dead. If I'm going to be alive, what do I have to be? I have to be connected to the vine. Because that's where I get my nutrients. That's where I get my strength. That's where I get my stability. I want my life rooted in the rich soil of Christ and His Word. Well, how do you do that? What Practically, what's that look like? I want you to note a couple of things. Number one, it looks like this. Number one, our fellowship is in Jesus. Our fellowship is in Jesus. Now listen, fellowship is highly important to a church. That's why so often we have you greet one another and you know, say hi to one another. That's why the small groups matter so much because that deep, rich fellowship. But listen, even more than fellowship with others, let me tell you where our fellowship is. It's in Jesus. Our fellowship is not even primarily in doctrine as much as it is in Jesus. Do you understand? I've got pastors that I don't agree with everything they think. I have pastor friends who I, I don't agree with the way that they do everything. But my fellowship with those brothers are not in what I think or the doctrine in which we interpret. Our fellowship is in Jesus. Does that make sense? And what we have to be careful of is that we are not forsaking that daily fellowship with Jesus. Because that's where our fellowship, that, that's where those nutrients, that's where they come from. You know what happens when, when, when you get roots deep in, in Christ? You find that He's very active in your life. You find that He's working in your life. You find that you gain His perspective of circumstances that you face in life. Number two, our roots should be deep within the Word of God. The Word of God will provide so much nutrients into your life. You know, one of the blessings of losing my eyesight is I have had to increase my ability to memorize the Word of God. I've always... Uh, you know, had a fair amount of knowledge of Scripture and been able to go, well, you know, there's a verse in, uh, uh, where is it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, Google it. <laughs> I'm really having to memorize now. Thinking about what I want for my life being rooted, I begin to think of a verse in Psalm about a tree being planted by a river. Why? You know what? I don't, I, see, things have changed now. I just don't think about it. I memorize it. I can tell you what it is. It's Psalm 1, verse 3. I knew it was somewhere around there, but not now. Now I know it. It's Psalm 1, 3. Those who delight in the Lord, verse 2. Those who delight in God's law, verse 3. 
God will make him like a tree planted by the rivers whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. See, I want my life rooted in that. And let me tell you how serious it is. It's not just talking about whatever he does prosper in the sense of, oh, well, if I go and do an event or if I create a campaign or, you know, I do this big outreach, oh, that's going to prosper. I think that's, that, you know, it touches that. But no, here's what it really means. Then the next verse says, when you stand on the day of judgment, you'll be able to stand. I want, I want my life rooted in God's word that when I stand before the Lord, I'm able to stand in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to be rooted in the Bible. Let me tell you where else I want to be rooted. I want to be rooted in the church. I want my roots deep in God's house. You know what David said? David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Praise God. Amen? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Praise God. I want my roots deep in church. You know, you, you know what happens when your roots get deep in church? Then all those other things that can be difficult about church life, feeling like you belong, identifying with other people, connecting with other people, feeling like it's a place. You know what happens? All that stuff begins to go away when you commit to deepen your roots. All those things begin to go away. You know, Satan will tell you anything he can to keep you away from here. Do you realize that? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Pick your favorite restaurant. He won't tell you reasons to not go to your favorite restaurant because he don't care. But he'll give you ten reasons why not to walk into these doors. Am I right or wrong? You get ready to go to your favorite restaurant, you and your wife don't get into a spat, do you? Well, some of you may, because, you know, it's that where do we eat, but, you know, maybe that's not the best example. But But you know what I'm talking about. You want your family to get into it, get ready to come to church, right? Am I right or wrong? I'll, I'll amen myself. That's good preaching, Chad, amen. You know what I'm saying is true. You know why? Because Satan doesn't want you here. You know why? Because he doesn't want you growing roots in God's house. Let me tell you what happens when you have roots in God's house. Somebody offend you, you don't just up and leave. Because you've got roots here. Let me tell you what happens when you have roots in God's house. You go through a season of hardship in your life, you don't just up and leave. You know why? Because you've got roots here. You go through a a season where you feel alone or God isn't listening. You feel like God is just a million miles away. You don't just quit and leave because you have roots here. You need roots deep down into the soil of this church. Because let me tell you, friend, the wind and the rains are going to come. And when they come, those deep roots are going to keep you planted. So the first example he gives is that of a tree in the rich soil of Christ, his word, and his church. Oh, I want my life rooted. Praise God. Number two, he talks about a building. Notice what he says. Rooted and built up in him. 
You know, scholars think, and I agree with them, scholars think that what Paul is meaning here is of a building that is always being built. This would echo Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says we are to grow to the measure, to the stature of the fullness of Jesus. Friends, that's a lifetime of growth. There isn't any of us that's ever going to come to a place where we're like, you know what, I've punched that church card so many times, I think I'm there. No, not one of us. Not one of us. Charles Spurgeon said it so well. He said, no one ever outgrows the Bible. The book literally widens and deepens with our years. I believe that. It's going to stand for all of eternity. It's going to far outdo my lifetime. I can promise that. So what I'm talking about is if we have indeed received Jesus, we are to continue walking in him. This is a lifelong journey. And what's that lifelong journey look like? It looks like a tree planted by the river of life. It looks like a tree with deep roots in rich soil. It looks, number two, like a building being built. So if this is what Paul meant, this is what other scholars think. Uh, Peter talks about in his epistles, he talks about adding to your faith. Now, not adding to salvation, adding to your faith the virtues of God's word. So if I add to my faith love, I mean, if, if, I'm add, if I'm becoming a person, that I'm growing my capacity to love. If I'm adding to my faith patience, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm learning patience. You know, the Lord spoke to me two years ago and said, I'm going to teach you how to wait on the Holy Spirit. I thought that meant in the services like, and thank God we're learning that. There are times we come in here Tuesdays and we wait for God. We wait. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that. That's part of it. But you know what I didn't understand that God's teaching me about waiting? My eyes. You know, you know what David said? And I'm beginning to really understand. He said, he wrote in the Psalms, he said, this is so wonderful. Patiently, I wait upon you. And listen to what he said. I wait all the day long. I'm beginning to understand that. I'm beginning to be able to say, Lord, I know that my healing was purchased on Calvary. And I'm beginning to learn what it means to say, God, I'm not in a hurry. I'm actually quite content. I wait for you, and I will wait all the day long. Glory to God. Because see, my job is to learn what Paul wrote in Philippians. Paul said, I've learned the secret. It's a secret because not many people know it. Paul said, I have learned the secret of what it means to be content in whatever state that I am. We are to be adding to our faith adding love, adding patience, adding joy, adding long-suffering, meekness, kindness. As we add to our faith, it's like a building being built floor by floor by floor until we grow to the full measure of the stature of Jesus. Number three, notice what he says. Rooted, we understand what that means. Deep roots in rich soil. Built up in him, like a building being built floor by floor. And then notice what he says, number three. And established in your faith, just as you were taught. This is my favorite of them all. 
This is God's classroom. You know what it looks like to progress in your Christian life? It means that the roots are growing deep. It means that your faith is being built. And it means that you are willing to sit in God's classroom. Now, some of you, perhaps you were like me. I was not a good student. I hated school. I don't even like to take my kids to school because I didn't like school. I get a little uncomfortable just even being there. I hated school. Some of you are weird and you loved it, but not me. I, I didn't like it at all, and I didn't do well in it. It's amazing I teach for a living. Isn't that something else? Because I, I didn't do well. And so, um, so I struggled in the classroom, right? Well, how many of you know that God has a classroom where he teaches us things? And how many of you know that if you're unwilling to listen, if you're unwilling to learn, like the children of Israel, you'll go in circles in life. God doesn't grade on a curve, right? You have to learn it. And for those who would say, I'm willing to learn, Lord, I'm willing to learn the lessons that you have for me, you're going to pass God's classroom. And as I was just sharing with you a moment ago, God has me in a classroom right now of blindness where I cannot see hardly anything. And do you know what I'm learning? I'm learning contentment like I never dreamed that I could. I was the one who, everything I did was fast. I drove fast. Anybody ever pass me around town? When they took downtown to a one lane, you're talking about a preacher backsliding. Because it slowed me down. <sighs> I hate red lights. I hate stop signs. I did everything fast. I walk fast. I did I, everything. I moved fast. I thought fast. I wrote fast. I drove fast. My mom told me the other day, she said, she said, I don't think you can see what God's doing in you like others can. And she said, Chad, she said, let me tell you what I see. She said, you were always restless. And I was. Always restless. She said, you were always chasing the calendar. It was always about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Always restless. God's teaching me contentment. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. My life has changed uh, in enormous ways over the last uh, couple of months. But let me tell you, it's changed in a good way. It's changed in such a way, and, and it's okay if I just be transparent for a moment or two. Uh, the other night, we did a tremendous deacon elder meeting. Tremendous. We've added many more deacons. We have 13 deacons now and five pastoral staff. And the 18 of us were back here in this room. We had such a meeting. Oh, my gosh. Men were weeping. And, I mean, it just, I went home so fired up. I was telling Sadie about it. She said, it sounded like you guys sitting there and cried like little girls. I said, well, we kind of did. But it was awesome. It was glorious. And I was so moved by that meeting. I was so blessed. My heart was so full. 
You know what I did? I did what I would have never, ever done. I left my cell phone in there. You know what I would have done after I got home realizing I left my cell phone? I would have got back in my car and came back and got it. Because it is always attached. It's playoffs. Playoffs. I thought, God, what am I going to do? Not been able to watch my football. Oh, Lord. Jesus, help me. What am I going to do not being able to keep up with social media? What am I going to do not being able to use my computer? I love my computer. I love it. You know what I'm finding? I'm finding I don't need those things at all. Not really. I don't miss it at all. I thought not having the ability to get in my car and go to the post office or go to the bank or go see someone at the hospital or even go to Burger King for crying out loud, I thought losing the ability to jump in my car and just go would be the end of the world. I'm telling you, listen, I'm before the Lord right now and I'm not lying to you. I have not had one single urge to drive, not one. You know what that tells me? I'm in the will of God because I have the grace of God helping me. Helping me. Does it mean I'll stay here? No. But it means for right now, I can be content in this classroom of where God has me. I can be. And whatever situation you're facing, whatever loss you've had in your life, whatever trial that seems to have overtaken you, you can be content to. You can. We see that if we're progressing spiritually, that we become a tree that is planted with deep roots and rich soil. We see that we become a building that's being built up into Christ. We see that we begin to learn in the classroom. We become strong. We become strengthened. We become established in our faith as God is teaching us. And then lastly, we become a river. We become a river. Paul ends this glorious verse. Can you believe there's that much truth in one verse? Paul ends this glorious verse with this last truth. And notice the logical progression, okay? He says that you'll become a river of thanksgiving. (laughs) I'm not making it up. The word abounding literally means a river overflowing its banks. And it was another favorite word of Paul throughout his epistles. Now notice what, because it even brings this verse to life. What did Paul say about sin? He said, where sin did abound, same word used here, where sin did overflow, picture a river overflowing its banks with waves, Where sin had waves overflowing, what did Paul say? Grace will much more abound. There'll be more waves of grace than there are of sin in your life. Praise God. This is a favorite word of Paul. 
And so notice the progression. He says, if you're a believer, if you have, since you have received Jesus one time, present tense, you've received Jesus, now begin to walk in him. And this lifelong journey, what does it look like? Notice you're rooted in Christ. Those roots are deep in the rich soil of Jesus. Then notice what happens. You begin to be built up. You're like a, you're like a building, adding layer upon layer, floor upon floor of joy and peace and love and patience and long. You're just, you just keep adding to your faith. And then what happens? You, you're in God's classroom and every lesson God has for you, you're beginning to learn and you're, you're being passed on. You're being passed on. You go from grade to grade, from glory to glory. And look at, the, look at the, the, the natural flow of the text. When you're, uh, when you're planted in Christ, when you're being built up in Christ, when you're learning in Christ, guess what the outcome is? You're like a river of gratitude. You're like a river of thanksgiving, and it just abounds out of you. And then you're not the person going, well, why would God do that? Why would, why would this happen to me? No, 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 you're not that person. You're that person. You're not asking God why. You're asking God, what do you have for me? What are you doing in my life? What do you get? Get your glory out of me, God, because your glory is my greatest joy. And then instead of looking at the hardships of life or the trials of life or the, you, you, you got dealt a bad hand or whatever you want to call it. Instead of looking at those things, you look right past them straight to the good hand of God and you're able to say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And what happens is out of your heart and out of your life and out of your talk and out of your perception and out of the way you think and out of the way you feel and out of the way you worship and out of the way you do life just comes rivers, waves and rivers of thanksgiving. Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? It's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to be someone that Satan can come and just smack down at will. No, I am rooted in Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. My roots are deep. I'm built up. I'm learning. And I'm abounding in gratitude. I'm abounding in thanksgiving. Why don't we bow our heads today? I don't know the circumstances you face and I don't know what you're dealing with today. But let me tell you what I do know. You can be thankful. You can be. You say, oh, Chad, I don't know God's will. Let me tell you what the Bible says. This is the will of God concerning you. Give thanks. Give thanks. Say, Chad, I don't like... Where I am right now, give thanks. Say, Chad, I don't really have much to be thankful for. Give thanks. Say, God, you're going to turn my circumstance. But until you do, I'm going to learn to be thankful. I'm going to learn to be grateful. You know, many of us, we're asking God to change our circumstance. It might be that God wants to change us first. Let God do his good work. Let God do his good will. Let God do his good pleasure in you.
Why don't you say today, God, whatever is good, whatever you deem right, whatever you deem necessary, I give thanks for it today. And don't look at your hardships as though God is doing something bad to you. Look at your hardships as though God is establishing your faith. Glory to God. He is establishing your faith as a wise school teacher. And say, Jesus, I'm willing to learn. Some of you need to deepen your roots today. You need to deepen your roots in Christ. You need to deepen your roots in the Word. And listen, some of you need to deepen your roots in this church. You've had your feet in here for a long time. It's time to jump in. You've been attending. You've been consuming. You're a consumer. you're, You're consuming the Word. You're consuming the worship. You're consuming the atmosphere. And that's good. I mean, I want you to. But now it's time to become a contributor. It's time to join a small group. It's time to begin giving. It's time to join a team. It's time to get committed. Father, I thank you today for your word, and I thank you, God, for the vivid imagery that you give us, for the vivid pictures, God, that you give us. I give you glory for that. And Lord, I pray that our lives will perfectly align to the teachings of the Word of God. Not our own thoughts, not our own opinions, not our own feelings, but that our life will align to the teaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.